We are recording. All right, go, uh, Tony, go. You take it. Hey, so Pat, Pat, tell me about your world since this whole thing has gone on. Like, how are you at where you're at? Um, what's going on business-wise, and how are you handling it? Well, it's all been pretty crazy. I mean, I shut everything down on the April, April 19th. Mm. And if you call my number up now at the work, uh, you'll get a message that says we're shut down. And we won't open up until, uh, no, we sh I shut down March 19th. Okay. And officially, we're getting ready to open up again uh, April 19th. I've been going into work because I just, I, I can't sit at home. I mean, I've already put on like eight pounds. And, and if I had stayed at home, I'd probably put on 20 by now. <laughs> so uh, it's just true. I sit home, watch TV, and eat all day long. So yeah. I went into work. All by myself. I've been trying to get stuff done as much as I can. I had a lot of work in there when I uh, when I uh, when this whole thing shut down, and I've been going through it. And people have been emailing me, and I've been saying, "Yeah, hold off for a few weeks, and if I'm ready to start taking in work, I'll let you know." And then people have been writing back, and so now I am starting to take work in slowly, and I'm not taking in like projects. Some some people want to just give me a whole bunch of parts and paint them and put them together and send them back as a complete guitar. I'm not taking on that stuff because they take on so much time yeah. and running as a staff of one. I just don't have time to donate to, to doing fret work and cutting nuts when I need to do a lot of paint jobs. So that's what's going on right now. You're lucky you're, that you have work still. I am very lucky, but I mean, honestly, I'm down like 70%. Yeah. So I've got huge o overhead and I got four people that work for me who are sitting at home. Hmm. Um, and, and I, I applied for the PPP. I got denied once by my bank. Wow. I want to get my guys paid. Right. Uh, it's a, I, I don't even want to get into it because it's all political yeah. and, and we don't need to do that here. Yeah. Facebook is yeah, yeah, Facebook's for them. Leave that for Facebook. Well, Pat, you're so right now the the majority is is doing the road tested instruments, your own instruments, and the companies that you're painting for, correct? That's that's the main thing. Okay. So yeah, so my business has always been about painting for builders, repair shops, and, and guys who walk in and just say, I love this guitar, I hate the color, let's yep. refinish it. Nice. But that's always been my business. The road tested and Wilkins Guitars has been something that I brought in 10, 12 years ago. I've always built guitars the whole time I've been in business. Just I started pushing about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, tested and well, as a matter of fact, and I did quarter. Of, uh, Imagine that. Sorry, Pat. It it cut out for the last like. I can't hear you, Steve. Hey, check, check, test. Can you hear me, Pat? Pat, hello? No. I, I can hear you now. Yeah. You can hear me now. Yeah, can you, you hear cut me? Out. You cut oh. out. For, yeah, yeah. Well, I can hear you now, but it cut out for a minute for a few for that. Can you say that again? Sorry. Yes. So I don't know what you heard, but. 
what I said was mm. that I've been building, I've, I've actually sold more bases in the last couple of months nice. than uh, I did in the last quarter of 2019. Wow. Oh. Oh. Cool. So, I mean, it's great. Uh, mm. That part's great. Actually, and I'm going to have to build up some new stock. Nice. Good problem to have. It is. You know, I, I see this. Whenever this country gets into kind of a downturn or, or something dramatic happens in this country, people turn to entertainment. They yeah. turn to music or arts or whatever to kind of comfort them while they go through it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people right now who uh, have a lot of time, a lot of musicians right now that are, out of, I mean, every musician I know, me right. too, I get it. We're all out of work right now. Yeah. Uh, and even the guys who do good work in studios, a lot of them aren't even working as well. So they got time to refinish their guitars or repair them, do this. There's that old picker in the, in the garage or the closet that they haven't looked at for years. They'll call me up, they want to restore it, refinish it, whatever. And then the, some guys, just to make themselves feel good, are buying new instruments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And or preparing for you know for the work that's going to happen when uh, when this thing all uh, gets over. I don't know if that's the right word or not. Hmm. Becomes new changes. Who knows changes. what the new normal is going to be? Yeah. I've heard guys talking about doing like live streaming, the whole band setting up in a garage or mm -hmm. outdoors in a driveway or a backyard or something like that. And live streaming, Venmo, PayPal. Yeah. Yep. Tip jar. Uh, that could be, yeah, that could be the, the wave of the, the immediate future. Mm -hmm. I've heard mixed reviews on that. Yeah. Like, on that. Some people like are like, oh, yeah, it's cool. And other people like, no, I'm not really yearning much, you know, type right. of thing. So. Well, I, I mean, I don't think, I mean, you got to be a pretty big act to actually be earning the money that you were earning. I guess, you know, it depends. I mean, even a club date, what, a hundred bucks? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I see a lot more of it, but I, I guess there's, I mean, there's levels of that too, right? Because I guess if you're a local person and you have a big, a lot of people come in, like the Tijuana Dogs out here are big. They did a live concert and there was like 500, 600, you know, they had this huge following, but then there's other bands, four or five people watching. So that pay has got to be down here and up here as opposed to like if you're playing a bar you're you know you're making a hundred bucks a couple hundred bucks you're playing a casual you're making 300 400 500 i mean the pay is substantially less it has to be i i would think i would think it was, it's a lot less so everyone's hurting yeah, well, i would I mean, think I so too yeah i mean it's better than nothing but it really you know it's it's still a drop in the bucket as compared right. to what we were making or you know all of us were making everyone in every industry i guess not just music but everywhere so pat right now you're not taking on like contracts from some of the labels you're working with like lull or somebody else right now right not till this well, is over. Lull, lull is still closed yeah they are. I, I i i talked to paul a couple of days ago and there's their state is shut down, and Paul doesn't want to take any risk on bringing his crew back in at all. So, um, yeah, so I, 
I'm not taking in any work. Uh, Sadowski, I do work for him. Yeah. Uh, I sent yeah. some stuff to him, but he hasn't sent me anything uh, in over a month. And I talked to him, and he told me that he's working pretty much alone in his in his shop. Uh, that was that was a couple of weeks ago. I haven't heard from him since. So I don't know. I mean, New York's pretty bad. New York yeah. is really yeah. really bad. And I'd be a lot more careful about being in New York yeah. than I am out in California, where you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I drive to work in the morning. It used to take me half an hour. Right now, it's taking me ten minutes. <laughs> so the people just aren't going out as much. People are really doing the safe distancing thing. I don't have to take mass transit. Uh, I don't know what Roger's situation is. I don't know if he has a car or if he's been taking a mass transit or not. But I just, if I were in New York, I'd be a lot more careful than I am out. Sure. So I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, I've got some, some smaller guys that I do work for that are sending me stuff. Some smaller businesses are sending me stuff, one or two pieces there. A lot of guys right now, honestly, my biggest uh, income right now is coming from guys who want to refinish their instruments. They've got time. They're not using them. And they've got time. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I'm good with that. I mean, you know, I, and um, I mean, normally I'm telling people five weeks. And sometimes I can get them turning around in three because wow. I don't have a lot of work. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't want anybody to think that's what the norm is. I really don't. <laughs> right. things, yeah. I mean, if everybody starts dumping on me again, then, or I should say that everybody starts sending me their work again, because <laughs> believe me, it's not dump. I, I want your yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, then it could it could start taking four, five, six weeks. So, yeah, send me your work if you want. I mean, if yeah. this is going out over the internet, yep. send me your work. Oh, this link is going on Talkbase. When it's ready, this goes on Talkbase, and everyone will see it on Talkbase. You know, uh, so there you go. Right. Well, I mean, well, I got bases already built. If, if people want bases already, I got a bunch already built. And if you want something special, uh, email me or call me. Find me on my website. I'd this love is to do whatever it is I can yeah. help. Pat, can you see what I'm holding up? I love it. Yeah, the number one, huh? This is this is this is the prototype that you built for me when I was doing some stuff for you. Where, I mean, I, yeah, this is the first one, and it's. I mean, it's gotten beat. I mean, this thing, you know, it's getting. It was matte finish, and it's nice and polished here. But these guys have played it, and it's just. I like that one. This, yeah. is, this is home run, man. It's it's it really is. This is the road tested W uh, Wilkins WRT PJ5, correct? Yep, that's the prototype. This is it. You got the very. I couldn't even keep the first one. You had to have it. <laughs> like Pat, I want this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just, it's just killing. And all of your road tested instruments are are incredible, man. And and I know, you know, we know a lot of people that have them. And like you said, right now the people are bought, have bought more, put more orders in for them. Yep. Which is great. Yeah, there's a store in uh, Sacramento. Okay. Uh, or that area called Base and Beyond. Uh -huh. And uh, he ordered three of my Marlins. Nice. And, well, that's, and, the first uh, he, that's a medium scale. Medium scale. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so he, he got he got two fives and one four. And uh, I think he's he's either sold them all or um, he's ready to order more. Nice. 
I mean, it's I I I am so grateful that people yeah. still want me to do stuff for them. Really am. That's cool. Well, it's great stuff, man. It's amazing. It's kind of a bummer because in a few weeks, if this wasn't going on, um, we were supposed to be out in California for the event, and the three of us were going to come and play our and do videos yeah. of all yeah. your of all your gear, right? You know, mm -hmm. and yeah. do like a three guys one bass thing on uh, multiple instruments. So we will still do that one of these days. We will. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Um, so Pat, okay. So on the, on the Wilkins, the road tested bases. So we, we all talk about the roasted or the roasted, the cayenne models. Can you give us, since you've, you've worked with roasted torrified for a long time, what is your skinny on it? What is your, your ear, your playing? What is your lowdown on torrified? Okay, the first thing about the Torrified sonically is the mid-range. Okay. There, there's, some, there's something about the mid-range. Um, there's just a slight boost or maybe a reduction in the mid-range in specific areas where uh, it just doesn't cut through. So uh, a, a Cayenne model or a roast, and even just a roast neck or a roast body separately, um, there's just a place where the instrument cuts through the mix of a band without having to turn it up too loud. Hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the constant struggle we as bass players always have is getting the bass up loud enough to be heard without being so loud that the drummer turns says, hey, guy, turn down. <laughs> so, or the guitar player looks at you like, well, I got to turn it up now. Yeah. Uh, so that's the thing about the, the, the roast. It's got that ability to cut through the mix. Uh, the next thing is weight. Without a doubt, all the roasted instruments are probably close to a pound lighter than uh, than a non-roasted. If you've got a full uh, roasted neck and a roasted body, you're probably looking at a pound less, yeah, or somewhere near that. Uh, finally, it's that uh, that gorgeous color, and uh, it, it's the uh, it's that 30, 40 year old uh, pre-played vibe that you get out of it. The wood so naturally dried, resonance to it, and it's going to balance out better, take it away. There's just so many positives to using a roasted piece of wood. So many. Do you prefer all roasted or roasted neck with a regular body or vice versa? What is What do you like? Uh, I've got both. And I mean, frankly, it just seems to me like whether you have just a roasted body or a roasted neck or a fully roasted body or a guitar, it's you get that you get that benefit out of the roasting. Okay. Uh, sometimes, depending on the kind of music you play, sometimes the all roasted uh, bass uh, maybe a bit more clarity than you want. Like if you're playing um, um, more heavy metal, something like that. You want that you want the bass to actually rumble a little bit more you're not going to get the rumble out of out of a full roasted uh, base so for something like that add ash or add um an alder body to a roasted neck you can get that. um but if you if you're doing fusion all roasted without a doubt all roast uh if, if you're doing more classic rock stuff like that either a roasted neck or a roasted body basically what i do with, with i play a lot of classic rock 
is uh, I have a, a roasted body and a regular maple neck because I like the clarity I get out of it. Nice. Do you feel one makes more of a difference than the other? I'm assuming the neck makes more of a difference. Uh, yeah, I would say, I, I would say you're right about that. Uh, the roasted neck, you're going to get more of that, uh, that clarity with a roasted neck than you will with, um, uh, the opposite being a roasted body and a rosewood or, or maybe clarity out of a roast. Um, but you're still, you're still going to get that, that, that nice thump that you would get in that low, lower mid section of, of, uh, of your sound. Cool. I don't know if Clarity you see this. what it's all about. I don't know. Oh, it's not going to, it's going to be too bright. I had a picture of one of my necks that, uh, Pat did for my last low. It's been sitting, the oh. neck's been at low for, I don't know how long, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because of what's going on. And then when stuff started happening, yeah. I said, put me at the bottom of the list. I want to be the easy guy. You just do it, whatever. And then, COVID came, so uh, my lights, there's too many lights in here, um, so my, it's not going to show up, but one of the necks I just got that was pat on is probably the nicest looking neck I've ever seen, you know? Is it roasted? It's roasted, it's all roasted maple, and then we did not the clear finish on it, but the uh, antique finish, so it's even more gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you did the white lettering, uh, the white logo, and it was it's really nice. I, would, I probably should screen share this or something, you know. Cool. Very, very cool, Tony. Yeah. I'm hey, Pat, I yeah. was wondering this because I've got I've got two bases with uh, roasted necks, and I don't know if maybe this is a byproduct of it, but they seem to be smoother and just faster than a regular like maple neck of the same thing is, is something in that process make them easier to sand or is that whole thing just kind of how it dries everything out makes it such. Do they have the same finish on them? Uh, yeah, I would say they both look like they have a satin finish. Okay, so roasting dries that wood out really, really well. Mm -hmm. So the, the pores of the wood and, and the grain fibers of the wood are, are harder. They're actually much harder. So when you do sand them, they will they will sand tighter and closer. The okay. pores will be actually closer together. So yeah, I can see putting a satin finish on roasted as opposed to a, a non-roasted neck. Um, the, the finish is going to lay more on top and less uh, penetrate the wood. And you're going to get a, a smoother finish. I mean, that that's just a guess. I I don't know for sure, but that just makes sense to me. Yeah, because that's that's just the one thing that that when I've a would them, it's just like, wow, this thing is just glass. <laughs> I didn't know if it was. Yeah, something had to do with roasting it made it eat you know made it sand as such that you could get a smoother finish before you did anything else to it or so. Well, that grain is really tight. It's, it's, it's okay. like sanding. It's like sanding with six hundred or eight hundred sandpaper um, before you even start on. So yeah, oh, wow. it, okay. it, it'll be tighter. Yeah, and the finish is going to sit on top of it more. Yeah. Nice. 
Uh, do you have any any plans for any new models, or are you uh, you just did the what, what's the the Marlin the, the shorter the medium scale? Yeah, the Marlin's the medium scale. Okay. Uh, not right now. I have I have people that have been asking me about a short scale, and and I did a short scale uh, a few years ago. I built short scale on a Telecaster style body. Okay. Um, remember Marcus, the guy who used to do um, uh, Lakeland's website. Yeah. Uh, you guys know him? It sounds Marcus. super familiar. He, he was, yeah, he was a big guy on Top Face for a while. He, okay. Uh, he, had two, he had two of the, the Telecaster style uh, short scales. Okay. They I know. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen him around for a while, so I don't know what's going on with him. I haven't seen him on TV either. No. No. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I didn't get a lot of response for it. I, I, I sold two or three of them, and I was still trying to figure out the pickup combinations and, and the right bridge combination and everything, and, and it just seemed like they, people weren't ready for a short scale. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I see that Dan, uh, Dan Lakin is, is doing, offering a short scale, and, and um, what's his name, uh, the mouse. Um, oh, Rob Allen. Rob Allen. Yeah, Rob Allen's doing a short scale. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the time is, is is right to do a short scale. But I really want to promote my my medium scale right now because I really think that medium scale sounds better than a regular thirty four inch long scale. Mm-hmm. There's there's wow. something in, there's something in the low end of it that okay. that you don't get with a with a thirty four. And that's thirty two medium. Yeah, the medium is thirty-two, yep. and, and a short, shortest thirty. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, thirty-two is one of those weird because thirties have been popular lately, and of course, thirty-four is the standard. Where do you feel the thirty-two sits closer? Does it you feel like it sits closer playability-wise to a thirty-four, or do you feel like it's got that kind of ease of a thirty? Like, where do you think it sits at? I think it's a lot more like a, a thirty-four. So going from a, a regular 34 to a 32 is, is a very easy transition, I think. Okay. I think you just, you just need to, to um, readjust a little bit. For, for older guys like myself who don't have that stretch as much as I used to, uh, it made playing some of the stuff that I used to play when I was a kid a lot simpler. Uh, my hand doesn't get tired as much as it used to. Was a 34. Um, I'm noticing I was starting to get some arthritis or carpal tunnel maybe in my hands, and I'm noticing some of that's going away now. It is helping with that, um, and it's just comfortable. It just it, once I got used to it, it's all I want to play now. I go back to a 34, and it feels difficult for me to play. What pickup configuration yeah. is the is the base? Uh, they come in all pickup configurations. Oh, nice. So I've got I can do a P, a PJ, uh, a standard J, okay. and then Howard Oyate's been winding me some some really very cool soap bars. Have you I seen think, the soap bars? I think I think so. I'm not. Or oh, your your particular ones? I think he sent me pictures of them, or we talked about it, or something. I think so. So. So he's got standard soap bars with with uh, either standard magnets or Tic Tac magnets. Yep. And, oh, and cool. then he, he wound me some 
want me some double J's. So imagine two J bass pickups glued together. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 with Tic Tac magnets. I love so them. I've got two. Yeah, they're killer. I mean, they're, they they make they make the thirty two sound so big, just so big. That's awesome. Well, the three of us yeah, are. Howard. Oh, Howard's Howard's the best. Love him. Man. He yeah. was on. Yeah, he's a he's a good good. He's one of the good the best guys. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the three of us are big PJ fans, and I know mm -hmm. you are too, Pat. There's something about the PJ, and especially yeah. your. I'll grab the this. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about that. So you you have a nice transition, Steve. That's <laughs> that right there. Pat Wilkins is the money. Oh, there we go. There we go. Which oh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. Look that's at that. That's my baby. Let me back up a little bit. Yeah, there you go. But you found the magic spot for that jazz bass pickup. I did. You did. It was completely, it was completely by accident. <laughs> I love it. I mean, so, I mean, accident and, and, and experimentation. So, okay. I mean... I had um, I had a body that I was putting pickups in, and I wanted to try to get something that, that gave me my unique sound. And yeah. so I just yeah. moved uh, a jazz bass instead of um, instead of in that traditional where Fender puts their PJs now. I moved it forward, and I moved it about uh, about a half an inch. And I didn't really it wasn't a big enough. So then I moved it all the way up to the very edge of the pick card because I thought cosmetically that kind of looks cool. Mm -hmm. And and I, I I wired it up and I strung it up and I went holy holy cow <laughs> this thing just sounds yeah look at that right up against the edge of the right pick there. card so cosmetically it looks great. Yeah. Oh you got Nor you got Nordies and a Seymour in there. No, no, that's Nordy's all. that's all Nordy's. That's the original ones that we got that you put in. So that's the NP5 with the hum canceling J. Okay, cool. Yeah. Those are great. I don't yeah. think he makes those hum canceling J's anymore, does he? I oh yeah, oh yeah, he does. Well, he ma yeah, he makes them, but I know he doesn't he make them especially he for you. Them. What's that? Well, not for me. One more time. Not for me. Oh, okay. He doesn't make those special for me. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe for low. Oh, maybe for low. Okay. Because also, you're when you have a PJ, you definitely want to have that hum canceling or a double um, a, a, the jazz bass pickup. That bridge pickup needs to be a dual coil, correct? Yeah, it needs it needs to be hum canceling. Otherwise, then you're going to just inject noise into your. Okay. So Howard makes me a uh, a side by side, nice. either four or five, and he's figured out a way of making that last uh, that that B string uh, as as loud as the, uh, the other four. Because initially, when he made the side by sides, they were uh, the, the B string was a little weaker. Hmm. Okay. But uh, but uh, over you know a couple weeks or or three or four weeks. He came up with a solution to that, and now his side-by-side -side fives are killer. I mean, totally killer. The B string is just as powerful as the E, A, D, and G. I had to think about that. 
How do I scream? <laughs> I have to all the time too. <laughs> no, there, it's yeah. fantastic. It's such a good bass. I love it, man. I mean, Steve and I will like chase guys forever, and and the more as time goes on, we're like, there's magic to a PJ that yeah. you know is an unsung hero. It really is, you know. And John plays everything. John's got like as many bases as Steve and I put together. So, you, know. wow. you like bringing that up, Steve or Tony? Mm -hmm. You're just jealous. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now I only have half because the other half are in my office and I can't get there. So, oh, that's funny. So, Pat, have you um? So, gig wise, and you were playing with uh, the da what was the band that you were playing? The Dallas Dallas Hodge Band. Dallas Hodge Band. Have um? Have you talked to those guys? How are uh, you guys going to come back with some gigs or or hopefully going to have some stuff booked out far enough that. You'll be able to, or who knows? You know, it, it really stinks. We we were we had just released our record, yeah, and we were and we were uh, in Billboard, and we were starting to climb the charts, and and they were spinning the record uh, in in on stations all over the country, and we got no gigs to promote the band. It really it stinks. So I mean, we had we had gigs lined up, and everything's canceled, and and. Uh, there's no way to promote the band. And, you know, social media can only take you so far. People want to come out and see you live, buy the t-shirt, uh, hear yeah. the band. Wow. Oh, man. Sorry, man. I, I, that. Every time something good happens through this band, something bad happens through this band. Uh. The last time we had a big festival gig that we were going to play, we were going to open up for a bunch of local uh, big-name um, blues artists out here. Um, our, our Dallas got a detached retina, Ooh. and he, he couldn't he couldn't perform, so we had to cancel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's okay. He's Good. okay, but he was out. He was out for a month. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Well, our wow. very last gig we did, we uh, Dallas has got a brother named Catfish, Catfish Hodge, uh, <laughs> famous guy out of Detroit. Famous, I was gonna say guy. I've heard of him. Catfish, wow. oh, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he used to play with uh, a bunch of guys from from Little Feet. Oh, yeah. Uh, he used to tour. He would be the opening act for Little Feet sometimes, and 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 actually sit in with the band. And and that was Dallas's brother, Catfish. And for a while, they had a band called the Hodge Brothers in Detroit. And so the very last gig we did, uh, Catfish actually flew out uh, and and spent some time over for for a couple of weeks. We had a gig up in Santa Barbara. So he came in, he sat in with us. We did like three songs with Catfish. The place was packed. And there's actually a video right now uh, of a couple of the songs we did with Catfish. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're on, running on, on YouTube right now. Nice. So, just, I mean, you know, everything was happening for us. Oh. It, mm -hmm. The album was great. The album was happening. And then and, 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 and the whole world came apart. Yeah. 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 But I, you know what? I, I can't complain because there are people who are, are not around anymore because of this and who are much worse off than I am. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guys who work for me, I, I really feel for those guys. They're good workers. They, they have supported me for years. Yeah. I got one guy who's been with me for 30 years. I've got another guy who's been with me for 25 years. And wow. then 
Oh yeah. The guys have been with me forever. They work their butts off and they do great work. Some of the best guys in the biz. And right now they're sitting at home and wondering if they're going to be able to pay their mortgage and their insurance and stuff like that. So I, I paid them the first two weeks um, that we were done and down. I went ahead and just, I paid them money out of my, out of my pocket because yeah. I was hoping it was going to be over soon and it wasn't. So uh, now I'm just hoping the government comes through. Cross the fingers. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's all they get about that. Right. Oh, there you are. What, what was that, Pat? Sorry, you cut out for a yeah. second. Yeah, so I said, I said uh, I'll just leave that up to the government to try to figure out. Yeah, hopefully it'll be, you know, back to some somewhat normal. Well, there's some openings going on, like isn't the beaches in California starting to open back up? Yeah, there's uh, Yeah, yeah. San, San Diego's opened. Orange, um, Orange County's opened. Ventura's County has opened. But Los Angeles County, no way. Yeah. No way. I mean, yeah. the proof is... Uh, when they uh um the beaches and uh, on a weekend the beach everybody went out there and it was wall to wall people you can't have that i mean i'd love to see the beaches open up i'd love to see the businesses open up again but that way has got way too many people in it yeah and there's a lot of people who just don't believe this thing is real and so they're just going to take advantage of everybody else by not yeah, man. Even in Boston, the beaches are close. <laughs> I can't get to the beach. You know, there's yeah. barriers and tow trucks, and you can't. Yeah, you can't do anything. You know. Yesterday well, was. You know, I heard in Michigan, the uh, the the mayor or the governor of Michigan said, if you had a, a house on the lake uh, or one of the lakes, and you uh, and you weren't living there permanently, you couldn't go to your lake house. Yeah, we, we had that for um, a couple weeks, and and the the reason was, I mean, we've got a lot of tourist areas, yeah. Um, and I think the problem is, is like you've got these people from Detroit, which are you know for us ground zero, trying to be like, look, I'm going to get out of this, so I'm going to go up to Traverse City, which sounds great, sounds like the smart thing to do, except you're probably depending where you are in Detroit, you were probably exposed to it. And they didn't want that spread to happen. And then like up in Traverse City, um, the healthcare thing is just not as robust as the hospitals like in Detroit or something like that. And they felt that doing something like that would really just completely max out these smaller town hospitals like where, you know, three or four small uh, towns that are about 15 minutes apart share one hospital kind of situation. But that has been, um, as of third Friday, that's been lifted. Okay. Uh, she said you could do it. She said she think you know she would still request that you know if you're in some heavy areas already, you just stay where you're at. But you you are allowed to do so. They opened up a couple of couple more things like that. So cool. that makes sense to me. We all got to be safe. Nobody knows for sure what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, good for her to do that. Yeah, she made she made a lot of real tough choices. And I mean, I don't have to agree with all of them. I think some of them I don't, but I respect what she's doing. And I think if I was in her situation, I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. Right. 
err on the wrong on the on the safe side, right? Yeah. No, no one wants to come out of this being accused of not doing enough. Right. Yeah. True. True. Pat, what are you using for, for what are you using for amplification right now in the shop? What's your test rigs at Wilkins right now? Are you using. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good question. Because I, you know, I got access to a lot of great, great amps right now. My my speakers um, have been for the last ten years or so have been uh, a couple of pair, a pair of Euphonic Audio Tens. Uh, mm. Those things are, oh, wow. are just amazing. Yeah, I got I got three of those, and 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 I use two of them at the shop, and the other one is my reversal uh, speaker. So in my home. Uh, I just I love the sound of those speakers. They're just really they're heavy. Uh, it's got a ten, an, uh, it's got a ten, a five, and a three in it. Wow. In, yeah. in the cabinet, it looks wow. like it's only big enough for a ten. <laughs> and uh, now the problem with those is they're super inefficient. You got to pump a lot of juice in them to get something out of them, but you can't blow them up. Right. So what I'm running. Uh, I mean, I'm real. I'm real lucky. I, I, I've got right now. I've got an Ike. I got the TR500. That's my test amp in the shop. But I also have a Demeter, uh, the the BMT800. That's his little uh, 800 watt uh, digital amp. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin, yeah. Kevin and Jason over at Trickfish mm. uh, loaned me a, a Trickfish 500. Ooh. Uh, just okay. before, just before COVID, and I've been running that thing, and man, between the Demeter and the Trickfish, I, I don't really think I need anything else. <laughs> the, so the Trickfish you feel has nice, uh, good. So Tony, why did you ask that? Hmm? Why did you Why did you ask that question, Tony? No, just curious, because I know, like you know, as a builder. You know, reference rigs are, are, are well, huge, right? You know. Well, I have to say, okay, Pat is not only a builder, Pat's a gingy, gigging badass musician too, which we always talk about when when we talk about whatever it is, if you're building bases, if you're, you know, doing strings, whatever it is, you, you have to, it helps tremendously that you're out there playing what you're building, testing and stuff like that. So... Mm -hmm. It's it's always I like to hear what you're playing because I know you know through the years we all kind of change but it's nice to hear that you're you know hey you know you're open let's try this Ike let's try this Trickfish let's do that yeah I I dig that and you know that he's out gigging them you play them you gig them so you know what's working and what's not working so anyways I just wanted to interject with that that Pat actually plays what he builds <laughs> and that's huge because not every yeah. builder does yeah right. not every builder does you know. Well, and, and being gigging musicians like all of us, you get the nuances of playing. Like you, yeah, something can sound great in a room, like in your, in your space, right, Pat, where you're building, testing, but it really has to do the same thing out on a gig. It has oh. to, or, or it has to, it has to function that also. That has to be the function of it also. That's what I'm trying to say. So, you know, most musicians that I know have their bass that they take into the studio already. That's yeah. just the one. You talk to most guys who are on records, and and you'll find out there's one bass that's always been. Yeah. So my focus was really on trying to get something that people uh, 
we're happy with in a live situation. Yeah. It turns it turns out that even my road tested bases sound great in the studios. Oh. But my my focus has always been on creating a base that you're comfortable using live. Yeah. Because most guys still play most of the do most of the work live. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I wanted to ask about the trick fish. Uh, sounds good. Has good punch. Has good headroom. Five hundred watts. It's punchy enough. And because I like their stuff, I like those guys. They're good people. And and Richard Roos was a friend of you know we all knew Richard. And he, I loved that guy so much. And that guy, that was his baby. You know, he, he helped to start that company. And I I like to see them around. And they got good people working for them now too. Ryan and Justin are pretty and, cool guys, man. Yeah. Those are good guys, right? Yeah, yeah, they're great yeah. guys. You know, Justin is 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 one of those guys. He's been around for a long time, yes, kind of yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, but but he, you know, everybody knows who he is. Everybody oh, yeah. that has gear knows who he is. I think I bought and, the. Justin says, I was going to say that I think I bought. A base from uh, the the base exchange from him back in the day, back in Ventura. Yeah, and, yeah I drove up there and along with uh, Avenius and Tai Long Lee, those guys were. I bought oh, wow. those guys. Yeah, that was the early days for sure. The early early days. <laughs> but that's but that's awesome to hear that you've got the trickfish rig in there and that you're you're digging it. So that that's cool. I like that. It's a great live amp. It really is. It's got it's got just the right amount of clarity. I, I clarity will make you sound a little bit sterile live. Uh, so this has got a lot of the warmth, uh, and it's got a lot of the clarity. Okay. And the controls are really, really uh, well laid out. I love the uh, the placement of the frequencies. Okay. They seem to work really well with me and and my my bases. Um, and it's got plenty of power, 500 watts. I mean, that's like five times more than I used when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, my, my first real amp was, was a Fender 100 bass. You know? And I was always always competing with a guitar player who had the Marshall and the, and the 212. I had the 212 cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We still are. We are still competing with them to this day. This still happens. Yeah. Yeah, but I can be louder than them now. I can be a lot louder than it's, them It's now. actually kind of funny how things turn out. I mean, you yeah. guys know Joe Filoni, you know, yeah. the guy who plays with me and a lot of stuff. And I actually have to encourage Joe to turn up. I'm like, Joe, don't be so conservative. I'm like, I'm like this is rare. I'm telling a guitar player to turn up. This doesn't happen too often, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like tr- telling a drummer to play louder. That that never happens. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Like, that's uh, it's like telling a keyboard player, take your left hand and cut it off. Oh, dude, that. Like, <laughs> put a paper there and tape it down. Like, this is my area. Leave me alone. Oh, so terrible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're being terrible now because we love that, all of our musicians. Absolutely. I miss I miss the crap out of my musician friends, man. I'm just, I'm lucky. I mean, this is a, a blessing to have at least this where we can all kind of talk mm-hmm. and be face-to-face, but... Yeah, the the interact that human interaction, even just uh, yeah, that's missing for everybody. I think you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm redoing my little studio space with like electronic drums and so forth, uh, and like maybe to rehearse it with masks on, just 
just to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just to have something. Like I miss that interaction. Yeah. It'll so come. Does anybody get any? Does anybody get any experience with working with uh, I, you know, videos like uh, using Zoom in four different locations? I mean, I, I bet it's late latency issues and all that. That's it, because it's all dependent on whoever's bandwidth, whoever's Wi-Fi, and yeah. if one person has latency, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I don't know, I mean, it, it, that's, that's a tough one, because it's all dependent on whoever's, you know, Wi-Fi provider or provider, so, yeah, I mean, imagine a singer with some latency, and, you know, all of a sudden it's gone, and yeah, so I think the the jamming live via, you know, Wi-Fi or, or a regular internet provider might, I don't know. I don't know how consistent that will be. I don't know if Jim Kazam is trying to work out some bugs. They're trying to that, but that was, that was a, a buddy of mine tried that and it was really, really inconsistent. That's the thing. It's inconsistent, unfortunately. So, yeah, I would, I would imagine bandwidth is, is the, the key killer to all of this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, like I said, I think, you know, it'll, it'll slowly but surely come back and, um, you know, hopefully. So. Oh, it's got to come back. Yeah. Come back. Yeah. Yeah, so. And then. I, I hope uh, there'll be a deeper appreciation for live music after this happens. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I what was the um maybe it was one of the ones we were on last week but somebody brought up the interesting idea that maybe with the newer when um everything comes back and we have the bigger you know the giant tours again that instead of just doing a regular tour they also because of all the technology and everything now is offer up a pay-per-view as well yeah. as you're touring for those people that still want to see the music well, i did a gig I did a gig, uh, one of the last gigs I did before this whole thing hit was a, a local bar gig, and it was a company that came in and set up um, video and audio recording while we were playing live and streamed it over the internet, yeah. and then you would uh, log in, um, and I think he was charging like seventeen fifty or something like that, which I thought was way too much. Uh, if he had charged like five bucks or, or even ten bucks, I thought uh, he would have gotten a lot more shit. But he was trying trying this out. Uh, yeah. And so we, we played live in front of the, the cameras, and uh, he had three different cameras set up. And he had a, a couple of guys that were running the, uh, the cameras and doing on-the-fly editing while it was all going on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was, it's a great idea, and I think it may actually become – for us who love to play, uh, maybe something that, that we're going to see more of in the future. Yeah. I maybe mean, if we went to a particular application and it had like three or four views and you could click a view, like, all right, once he's stage left, once he's stage right, oh, the drummer's hot. Let me see him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, more of, a, more of an interactive kind of thing. That's kind of interesting. Like you could change your view, like click here, click here, boom, 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 you know. Yeah, because everybody goes to a gig. They they see they want to see somebody different. Not everybody yeah. goes to look at the singer. Sorry, lead singers, you're not the only ones that people stare at. <laughs> I hate to break it. 
No. Uh, still, wait, wait, wait. They still won't believe you. Just saying. I don't think I'm ever going to get another gig in the world. <laughs> That's okay. like that. I think all four of us need to start a band. And there we go. We don't need anybody else. Come on. Big bottom. Big bottom. <laughs> yes. So, Pat, and then, so you're doing, um, so you do the finishing, you do the base building, the, uh, you also do, so we talked about the road-tested bases, but you build the, the higher line, your Wilkins custom instruments are still, you're still building those also, correct? I am. The, the, the big difference between the road-tested and uh, the older Wilkins is, is the exotic woods. Okay. So, uh, if you want a highly figured top, for instance, then that's actually more along the line of the, the older Wilkins. But actually now everything falls under the, the road testing umbrella okay. because it, it got confused. Got My it. lines used to be VRB and WRB. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of discontinued that because it just got confusing. Uh, there are guys that are buying my old VRBs and they, they want to know why isn't this a road testing base? And, and in all reality, it, it is a road testing base. It's just it's just one of my older models. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everything's okay. a oh, everything's a road testing base. Now, yeah. Really. I like it. And, and then you're doing uh, Alder Ash bodies are your your mainstay go tos for bodies. Yeah, m mainly Alder. Mm -hmm. um, I do ash. I've got a, an order right now for a guy who wants to build like a fender uh, pin smithish kind of thing where he, oh. uh, I'm doing a cher cherry body with a cocobola top and a maple neck with an ebony fingerboard. So almost identical to the woods of pin smith. Beautiful. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's going to be on a fender, fender ish. Fender style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. I like that ebony. That ebony feels so good, man. Sounds so good. So punchy. Boom. Ping. Yeah. You're going to know it's like a keyboard. Comes yeah. right out. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, all those old uprights have ebony fingerboards. So mm -hmm. that's what a lot of guys are still. That's what they think of. Has I the... actually, uh, my, I prefer maple. Me personally, I prefer maple boards. Okay. Huh. With what that's kind of me. Yeah. Alder, alder maple. That's, nice. that's kind of my thing. Okay. I, I like the clarity. Mm hmm. hmm. You're running into issues with, you know, a lot. We've been talking about this with some people lately about ash, obtaining ash. Okay. Have you noticed an issue with that, Pat? <clears throat> I heard something about it. Um, I think it came from some fender site or something like that. Yeah. Ash was getting hard to get. I didn't really look into it. I can't imagine why ash would be hard to get right now because it's a, it's a locally grown species. You don't have to go out of the country to get ash. I just, there, you know. there was there was definitely a little bit of a shortage, but I I, I mean it it's still gettable. It's just taking a little bit longer for some of the purveyors, but that's it. I mean, it's still available. You can still get it. As, as much as any other wood, you know, yep. any other local grown wood. And that was swamp ash, by the way. I mean, specifically was swamp ash. That was the thing. Northern ash was still available and stuff, but swamp ash, it just took a little bit longer to get, but it was still available. And that's what Fender said that they weren't going to 
do swamp ash bodies anymore. Only well, normal production, but special you know special order custom shop right. they would still do, which I don't know you know every other company's still doing ash. So there you go. All right, I like ash. I love it. I love it. My favorite wood for bodies. Tony's setup is ash ebony. That's your combo, correct, Tony? And then maple is, I would say it's a close second, right? Maple's close second. Uh, ash ebony is my favorite. And then ash maple. Yeah. How about John? What do you... Hmm? Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask John, what's your favorite combo of woods? Oh, man. You know, since yeah, but... Tony said I play everything. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, if I have to, if I have to choose, I mean, I actually like a mahogany body. Oh, I like the warmth of that a little bit more. Um, then I, I'll put, I like the, um, like a maple neck with like an, either an ebony board on that. Cause you know, that'll, that'll focus up the, the warmth of the mahogany a little bit mm -hmm. or even just go, um, all maple on it too. Nice. So, cause that, I mean, even aesthetically, you know, being a graphic design guy in my former life, that yeah. kind of thing appeals to me also yeah i'm a fan yeah, i mean those are all those are all great wood combinations i you know, i'm each, a huge one balances the other. what's that pat one more time each one balances the other mm -hmm. i'm a, i am a fan of rosewood with ash ash mm -hmm. body with rosewood fretboard i'm i kind of dig that that's i don't know so you, you like, you like, it's more of a low end kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I want that growl, but I want that snap at the same time, the quickness, but I want that warmth and, and kind of growliness to it. So yeah. For a yeah. guy who's been anti Rosewood almost my whole career, it does do one thing nicely. Mm. It takes off fret noise a little bit. Oh, that's my opinion. Pat would know way better than I would, but you know, that's what I feel like. I feel like that which I kind of like, you know, uh, to some degree, I feel like the rosewood just removes a little bit of fret noise, you know, gives it a little more warmth. Yeah, look, I think it just cuts the little high end a little bit, you know, just enough. Yeah, I haven't noticed uh, the, the fret noise. I haven't really paid attention to it. Uh, Pat, have you used Okume for any bodies? I have not. Okay, just wondering. Yeah. Yeah. What do you know about it? Tell me about it. Uh, mahogany-esque, but not as dense and can be lighter and, and very mahogany-esque, takes color, you know, stains nicely. So, yeah, g and L. What's that? Does it look like mahogany? Yes, very similar to mahogany. Mahogany-esque. Lighter, lighter in color? Yes, lighter in color, so it can actually take some sunbursts. It can take some lighter colors, nicer, and it, it comes out nice. Yeah, and and it's got a mahogany type of thing. But again, you can get it so that it's not as dense, like a dense piece of wood, so you can get a nice lighter piece of okume. A lot of uh, companies like GNL were using that somewhat, you know, and and uh, I've seen a, a few other companies, and it works good, looks good, sounds good too. It's like mahogany. And, and Ash had a baby, and they call it a kumi. That's what it kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering, Pat, that, yeah, if you had checked it out. But it, it's interesting. It's nice. It's a good wood. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. So, yeah. And then and you have your private label strings also, correct? I do. I nice. do. We're, we're about ready to go live on Reverb uh, 
sell those. Nice. And uh, and my polish also. I have a polish. Oh, okay. And, yes. Yeah, I, I've had this polish for years, and I I used to. Uh, Used to sell it to the Fender Custom Shop. That's all those guys used to use. And uh, but they didn't they, they didn't tell anybody. Oh, it, it was really hilarious. And um, but I but I never really pushed it. But now I'm I'm over, I'm starting up my reverb site. Uh, awesome. And I'm going to put the polish up on reverb. The strings are up on reverb. Okay. And then I'm going to start putting bass up on reverb. Well. Beautiful. And oh, cool. is it nitro friendly also? Yes. Nice. Yes, it's very nitro friendly. Let me see if I, if I have. Yeah, one of the things you got to tell us, because just because a lot of people are going to hear this and see this on TalkBase, one of the things we want to know is you were with Schechter during like the historic years, right? What years was that? Well, uh, I went to work at Schechter in 77. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, give us, yeah. A, little, give us yeah. a little history, Pat. Give us a little 77. history. 77. Seventy-seven. Okay. Schechter started. They started in seventy-six. When I went to work there, uh, there were ten people at Schechter. There was me, Tom Anderson, David Schechter, and then uh, and a few other people. Like one of the guys who works for me now, uh, he his Guillermo is his name. He worked in the buffing machine uh, in in the metal shop. He buffed out all the pick cards and the bridges and all the stuff that he made. And um, and so uh, we then we hired a couple of guys out of Memphis uh, that worked in a store called Strings and Things in Memphis, and we brought them over, um, and and they went into the guitar shop. Tom Anderson was in the guitar shop. I was in the guitar shop as a painter, and sometimes I got to put stuff together there. Um, we had a guy named Herschel Blankenship, who uh, actually his company now one of his companies is, is access gigs and bags uh, bad bags oh. and, and cases Whoa. Uh, he owns access bags, bags wow. and cases yeah um so there's a few of us that that started the sector they're still doing stuff yes um i was there until 80 83 and so i went through the when i first started there we were just a parts company so uh, they they hired me to run the, the wood shop. I went in there and I I ran the pin router, uh, cut bodies, cut necks, uh, did all that stuff. There were four other people in the wood shop. We we're we we're producing about uh, about fifty to sixty bodies and necks uh, uh, a day, <laughs> a day. Whoa! And we're selling Whoa. all over the world. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that, that, that was me on the big pin router cutting out all those bodies. And you still, I still have fingers. I was going to say, you still have fingers because those accidents are no joke, man. Ugh. What a great time when there was guitar heroes everywhere and a guitar company could sell that many yeah. instruments, right? Well, we were just selling bodies and necks. Yeah, that was just bodies and necks. That's just, that's incredible. Yeah. Pickups, pick guards. Whoa. Uh, uh, we had tuning gears made uh, by uh, by Luzon. Okay. Um, and so basically a parts company. And then people started saying, "Well, we're not sure your parts fit." 
So we built a couple of guitars just to see if our parts fit, and they did. <laughs> and they fit, and we went, uh, you guys are crazy, and here's a guitar to prove it. And people said, oh, you build guitars? So then we started making guitars. Those early, was just those, a great those, time. those early Schecters were badass. They were good. Totally badass. Yes. And they're so hard to get today. Sought after and hard to get, for sure. Yeah. yeah. People who have them, people who have them, don't, don't get rid of them. No. So after Schecter, did you open up your shop to do the painting, or did you, where'd you go after Schecter? Well, there was a transition period where I went from Schecter to a company called LA Guitar Works. Okay. Which was kind of the repair store in the valley. Wow. To go to. We're right next door to Norm's Rare Guitars. Yeah. And the original, the original amp shop. Oh. With, with, with Robert Stamps. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Way before Gary. Way, way pre Gary. Yeah, way before Gary. <laughs> way, way before Gary. I mean, so imagine this. It was the amp shop. Yeah. LA Guitar Works and Norm's Rare Guitars all in a row, right next to each other. So, I mean, it was on any day, you could see Bob Dylan or Tom Petty or, or any number of like, huge, huge megastars walking in there. Yeah. I made friends with a whole bunch of these guys. Uh, uh, I saw uh, Del Shannon the day before he passed away. Um, yeah, we had, we had a really funny experience with Kevin Cronin. Oh. Um, he, uh, he was in over at Norm's and he had something that he needed to get repaired and Norm said, we'll go over to LA Guitar Works. And, uh, so he, he came running into the store and he scared us and Toru, the Japanese guy yes. was sawing, sawing frets, uh, or a fretboard with a big, big old Japanese saw, you know, one of these wide Japanese saws and he turned around and saw Kevin, and Kevin's eyes got like big as saucers, and turned around and bolted out the door. It was it was hilarious, and I mean, we saw so many. There were so many great things that happened during those days. Yeah, it, it was it was fun times. So I learned how to make new instruments, and when I went to LA Guitar Works, I learned all about vintage instruments and how to repair instruments, and then I started my own business. I left after about a year and a half and started my own business that was 84. Wow. and i've been i've been doing it ever since i love yeah. it. i'm really lucky i got in just at the right time yeah well all right lucky to do with it but still you're one of the most skilled guys out there pat you really are i mean it it's proof is in your product the stuff you produce so yeah it's fantastic man and i have some ah, there it is but look I need to, so when it goes on the reverb store, I'm gonna buy some because I love this stuff and I'm almost out. So dude, I'll send you a bottle. No, dude, I will I will reverb it. I will pay for it, man. <laughs> but that you but I wanna support, how, yeah. I wanna support. How long how long did that last? Dude, so this lasted, I mean, probably a couple of because I am I am horrible. I don't clean my stuff. I don't mean okay. I every once in a while I'll go, okay, and I'll just do it. But it lasted a long time, man. Lasted a while for sure. Yeah. But I'm bad. Like I said, even though I play all the time, I I'm the worst. I just, I, yeah, I keep my stuff dirty. I believe it needs a little funk on it, you know? 
Dude, I'm the same way. It's like some promo pictures. I'm looking at the photos and like, you yeah. know, people like, what did you do? You got, you look like you had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you handled the basin in front of the camera, you know? No, I, I think all of us are in the same boat. We play our instruments. It's not, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't collect, I play them, you know? So I think the only one that I have regular upkeep on is the Hilton. Mm. Probably I'll usually do some Howard's feed and wax on that okay. every time I like every other time I change the strings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not... Otherwise, yeah. I don't, I don't do anything until it's like Tony's things. You look at it, you're like, Oh yeah, maybe I could probably clean that up a little bit. <laughs> I, ate some, I ate some fried chicken and played and it's like, Oh, but no, this stuff's well, I had a couple of bottles. This is, it's running out. So I'll, I'll, I'll get some more. I'll go on that reverb store, but it's fantastic. Cool. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I used it on, I have a 68 Jazz that's nitro and was using it on that. So perfect. Works on everything. Pat, you do nitro finishes? I do not. No. You do not. It's okay. not illegal in California and I don't want to run the risk. No, all right. So can we, before we wrap up everything, just tell us a little bit about what you're offering finish wise, you know? So when people like, oh, what does Pat do for finishes? Like, let, let's just get into that a little bit. Like, you know, you do. Trans, your trans colors are fantastic, but can you elaborate about some of the different options you have? Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot that I don't offer. Um, I, I, I don't actually do it physically in my shop, but if you want a large flakes, have a guy that does that for me. So I'll take it in, I'll prep it. Uh, and then I, I back. And I put the clear over it, I sand it, polish it out, got a beautiful uh, big flake sparkle. So that's one of the things that I do offer um, that isn't traditional. But I, I do the trans finishes, I do the sunburst, I, mm. I do the entire collection of vintage Fender colors. Nice. I, uh, I do a lot of the vintage uh, Gibson colors. I can actually do a real uh, Gibson TV finish where not a lot of guys know how that's done properly and I, I learned from a guy who actually did them at Gibson he showed me how they did them back in the in the 50s and 60s he was the guy that did them and so I, I can do that um I mean there's not a lot that I, I can't do I, I don't do swirl finishes I, I never got into that but I have some some alternatives that uh aren't quite swirl but kind of look like that Zion had a finish back in the in uh the 80s, he called a frosted marble or um, a metal marble finish. I used to do the Zion finishes way back when, so I know how to do that. Um, I used to do some of the of James Tyler's finishes in the yeah. uh, in the 80s. So right. I don't do the psych, I don't do the cycle psychedelic vomit, <laughs> and I don't do uh, I don't do some of his other ones, but I, I do some of his. Like that sunburst that he has, yeah. Um, the red, the blue transition sunburst. I used to do those for him, so I can still do those. Um, I do. I used to do all of John Sirs finish work and all of Tom Anderson's finish work. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty familiar with with all of that. And then what about um, the sandblasted stuff that Fender did and all that? Are you familiar with that? Like the sandblasted stuff that they did? I'm not. That's and I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've even seen those. That's almost like a non-grain filled, so it's still porous. Oh yeah, yeah. It's almost like they don't do the grain fill, and then they put a like a matte finish over it, so you can actually still feel the 
you know, the grain. So I, but like I, but maybe they do kind of blast it a little bit to make the, especially on ash, where you have the, you know, the grain, the, those dips and the, the divots, that they're very exaggerated. I think, is that what you're talking about, Tony? Like that? Yeah, yeah, I think they call it the sandblasted, you know? Okay. But it seems like everything's, looks like Pat's doing everything under the sun. So I was kind of curious on that too. I think it's okay. just a non-grain filled, exaggerated non-grain filled before they finish, if that makes sense. So do they yeah. put a grain, a different color grain filler in there? It's just, it, it could be, but yeah, they do. It's like they do yeah. blue or red or something like yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like F base, uh, F base has a finish that's uh, very similar, right? Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Yep. So, so I can do that. You can do that. Oh, you can. I, I'm able to, yeah, oh yeah. I'm able to do that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm a huge fan of your the frost finishes, the the matte finishes. I love those. I, I love it the way it yeah. feels. And I love the way it looks on from a stage. Looks rad. Well, what I like about the matte finish on stage is that it, since it doesn't reflect light, whatever color you got really shows it shows the true color uh, from the stage. Yeah. Where I mean, yeah. if you're casting a, a a red light on a white guitar, your guitar is going to look white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's gonna, look, it's gonna look red. Yeah, it's gonna look red. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Cool. All right. Any other uh, any questions, comments? No, we gotta give the socials. Where can we find yeah. Pat? Right. What's your uh, websites and socials and all that? What's your website? Okay, website is wilkinsguitars.com. Cool. Or you can get me at roadtestedguitars.com. Cool. All right, and uh, my email is pat at wilkinsguitars.com. And Wilkins is with the I. No, it's not a, it's not E. It'll be I L K I N S. I'll put uh, I'll put text on there for sure. I'll add it on there to make sure. So yeah, man, it's uh I'm just it's always great talking to you, Pat. You're one of my favorites, favorite people Thank out you. there, man. Seriously, and I know the guy we all we all talk about you all the time. <laughs> it's all good, man. I, I love what I love what you guys are doing, bringing this this community together. Thanks, it's really dude. important. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that um, do a lot of really good work, and from my knowledge, not not any of us have any huge secret that we don't want to share with each other. We're, right. we're pretty close knit community. Oh yeah. And, and I love that. I love that. Um, you know. <laughs> There was a comment that, that someone from Warmoth made years ago about the way we operate, and they called it a bedroom community. And you know what? It makes sense. Yeah. In a way, it really yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I've got more close friends now than I've ever had in my life, and it's all because of this, this amazing community called the music uh, instrument industry. I love it. Yeah, me too. It's incredible, Pat. Thanks, dude. I can't thank you enough for uh you know joining us and this will be all over the place man we're sharing the cool. out of it <laughs> shut down shout, oh. shout out to my buddy jimmy church you guys know jimmy church i don't think so Fade to black Fade to black nice Fade to black okay so here's the deal okay jimmy church, jimmy church used to work at um uh oh come on well he made my very first decals Nice. He was the guy that made my very first decals for me. And then he went to work for uh, Ashdown for a little while. Mm -hmm. 
And and then he left Ashdown and went to work at Line Six, and he went to work at Elisa's. Oh my God! But today, oh my God. today he's this nationally syndicated radio talk show host. Whoa! Wow! And he's on wow. KF, he's on KFI Radio, and and he's got a show on I believe it's National Geographic. And I mean, this guy he's like a big name in in the radio um, business now, and he he does conspiracy. Uh, he does aliens. He does UFOs, <laughs> and that's why it's called Fade to Black. You saw the big alien. Yeah, yeah. Know. Well, he'll get a following with that a, type of aspect, right? Yeah. Shout out to Jimmy Church, man. Nice. <laughs> I love I love Jimmy Church. He's one of my oldest and dearest friends, and, uh, and I built him a guitar um, about two months ago. Oh. It 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 was uh, a, a guitar, not a bass. It's one of the original pre pre Steve Vai playing guitars. Oh, oh, nice! It was before Steve had his flame guitar, and and so there there's some there's some question about who had it first. Okay, <laughs> Jimmy says he had it first. I think Steve would say he had it first. Uh, but but Jimmy's guitar gets stolen. So for years and years and years, he's wanted to recreate it. And so he came to me a couple months ago, and we recreated that guitar. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So, and, and that's when I found out that, that he's like this nationally syndicated radio <laughs> talk show. Big name in the biz. <laughs> crazy, just famous, like crazy. That's rad, man. That's so cool. But yeah, that's one thing you was a business like all the friends in this industry. Like even if Nam didn't happen, we meet in california in january no matter what and get burritos and and drink margaritas or something like that okay. like we would have to you know, well, we'll, we'll have make, to get together we'll make something happen yeah. for sure yeah absolutely all right any last thoughts or words before uh so we're gonna we're gonna cut off the public and then we'll stay on but um yeah just you know thank you everybody for watching and uh yeah uh tony puleo john moody tony puleo and the ever more just the best person pat wilkins yes thanks again man we all love you you're the best so cool all right thanks everybody for watching yeah all right i'm gonna stop the recording and we're gonna stay on but uh let's say bye to the public bye public see ya cheers yeah bye everybody <laughs> let me stop it i have